Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast, whenever you are, wherever you are. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. Tonight we have, as a guest, an author that I'm dying to pick her brain about this topic, because it's obviously magic and creativity, the one and only, <clears throat> excuse me, the one and only Astrea Taylor. She is an eclectic pagan, which with over two and a half decades of experience, she presents workshops and rituals online and at festivals across, across the country. Astrea is the author of Intuitive Witchcraft and Air Magic, co-author of Modern Witchcraft with the Greek Gods, and blogger of Starlight Witch on Pathios Pagan. She hosts the Deep Deep podcast, holds a bachelor's degree from Enya College, and earn a master's degree in environmental sciences from Wright State University. You can learn more about her work when you visit astreataylor.com. I'm so happy to have you back on the show. It's been a while. Welcome, yeah. Astrea. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm wonderful. So happy to be here. How are you? Other than I'm choking on my saliva here, I'm fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> thank you for, for coming to the show and um, thank you for being here. It's been a while. I think it's been a little over a year when, when the book uh, that you co-wrote with Jason Mankey came out. And that's when I officially met you at mm -hmm. here at the shows. So what you been up to in this year other than obviously writing this book? <laughs> Yeah, uh, this book has taken up a lot of time, but it's a work of love. And I really felt like I had a, a positive message to share with people about the magic of creativity. Um, but I've been to a lot of festivals, you know, with COVID restrictions letting up, people getting more vaccinations or getting healthier, uh, more able to meet up. It's so wonderful to see people face to face again. Yes, it is. And I... Not too long ago, you went at, you were at a festival where I was like, oh, I wish I was a fly on the wall. There's a photo on the internet. It exists with some of my favorite people and artists, tarot readers and magicians. It was Monica Budersky, Laura Tempisakrov, and yourself. And when I saw that photo, I was like, oh my God, I want to be a fly on the wall. Uh, tell us a little bit about that event. What was that? That was the Witch City Tarot Gathering set in Salem in Hawthorne Hotel, which is haunted, firsthand opinion and knowledge. <laughs> so it was amazing. It was a, a long weekend event. And I feel like every single one of the presenters brought their best knowledge and their best information to share with people. It was really supportive and um, there was just such a huge community of people who, um, it was just a great uh, uh, event. You know, we all were just like instant friends. 
and it was uh wonderful i highly recommend it yeah that that looked like a great that looked like a great time and of course i saw it on the wall of uh monica Boderski, whom i have the pleasure of knowing a few years now uh <clears throat> and if you're wondering um about monica there's some lunatic mondays i think we've done like three with monica Boderski, so it's, it's great to have seen you and then of course laura like jason mikey they have frequent flyer miles here in lunatic mondays um so for those who don't know you that well yet tell us a little bit about how did you get into witchcraft tarot writing art etc okay well i will try to make a long story short <laughs> but um i had a hippie mom growing up uh, she had studied witchcraft for a little while i just recently found out about this but she was more like a new age person and um like when I had my first astral projection, I was, as a child, I was super scared. I went to her and she explained it all to me. I was raised with meditation and the power of the mind, the power of words, the power of thoughts. And so I was kind of on this trajectory already, but I chose witchcraft specifically because my astral projection uh, experiences made more sense with that. My awareness of energy my awareness of my desire to like change energy sometimes, whether that was internal or external. Um, I, that's when like, you know, the power of the thought kind of failed me and I really wanted something that had um, more control in my seat, more action. And, um, you know, I aligned it with my ethics, of course. And as soon as I, you know, I was, I was um, studying the world's religions for a long time when I was a teenager I studied like Buddhism and Taoism and meditation and Hinduism I really love them but none of them really seemed to fit and I had uh, a new age uh, church that I went to called unity and they believed in mother father god and that was right up my alley <laughs> because I was like there's no way I'm going to any church that says god is a he <laughs> not doing it and um became more conservative when I turned 18, I got a new minister and I just, you know, fell off the radar, but I fell into witchcraft. So it was perfect. Um, a friend of mine, Penny Goody, and uh, she invited me to Circle Sanctuaries, Pagan Spirit Gathering and the Renaissance Festival. And it just took off from there. It was an amazing event to go to as a young 20 something person. And it just opened my mind to this whole other world. And I was was in college for six years, getting my bachelor's, and witnessing Selena Fox give rituals was everything that I needed. It was it was beautiful. It was moving. It was nothing like I've ever seen before, and I just knew that that was the path for me. And so I continued on the path, but I was deep into studies. I was paying for my own college, so you know, with twenty hour credit workloads, you can't really take a lot of time to read a lot of books and my finances were uh, kind of destitute at the time. So I didn't buy any books either, but what I did do was use some of those ritual formats and some of the workshop knowledge that I had from PSG mm -hmm. and put it to use in my own practice and came up with something that was uniquely my own, just followed my intuition. Mm -hmm. And I called it intuitive witchcraft, you know, and uh, eventually I realized that 
I could write a book about it because it's something that people don't necessarily understand a lot of, uh, you know, how someone can use their intuition and have integrity with a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. So I published that book in 2020 and it's just been a beautiful roller coaster with writing books and publishing them ever since. Beautiful. That what a wonderful journey. And of course, everybody that sees Selena gets, you know, falls in love with with the with the craft. And uh big shout out to Penny because I also met her uh the year that I met you at PSG. So tell us a little bit about creativity. I didn't know until I started reading this book. By the way, the book is inspiring creativity. I can't speak today. Okay. One, two, three. Inspiring creativity through magic. How to ritualize your art and attract the creative spirit. So this is the book. This is the book. This is the book. There's a lot of glare here. For those who don't know, there's a video of this interview. So that's what I'm talking about, glare, because I'm lifting the book and the light is just hidden in all kinds of ways. I didn't know until I read the book that you you create so much art. You 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 write and then you also are a fire dancer and then you also do some other things. Um and what you don't know about me is that I always say that I live in the corner of art and magic. Oh, you know, because there is creativity, art. I have, like you, you know, write writing poetry and writing articles and drawing and dancing. When I was younger and more body able, I was dancing my heart out to anything and everything, you know, learning classes. And back in the 80s, when I was growing up, it was jazz. So mm -hmm. you know, doing the jazz hands and all that. <laughs> um and I have always seen this correlation, especially um, the last five years or so that I've been living here in Chicago, seeing my friends do performance art. I'm in love with performance art, obviously. So how did you, A, get into being so creative and B, made the connection between magic and creativity? Well, I think, you know, like my spirituality, it's experience-based. So um, I, I learn a lot of things by doing them, not by reading about them, but by experiencing them. And my mom would always say like, why do you want to learn things the hard way? You could just read a book. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but um, so, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. I've always been pretty spiritual <clears throat> as a, you know, growing up and everything. Um, I had a big shy streak as well, before I gained confidence about who I am, uh, you know, my in, being in my body, things like that. So I had to overcome a lot, which is somewhat in the book, in the water chapters. But um, I really knew that that was the fear that I had to conquer. You know, I was afraid of um, going out there and just like being myself and just bringing this energy as a performer. And so I knew I had to do it. I was afraid to write a book, although my passion for each of these things was so immense that I knew I had to do it. And so it was conquering the fear of success, the fear of being seen, the fear of putting oneself out there, you know, that really drove me to, um, you know, it was kind of like a friction, like a square, you know, we see in the astrological terms, you know, 
it was good for me. So it made me put myself out there and to help myself get over all of these fears and feelings and things, the conditioning of the world, mostly it's, I just used magic and I didn't think much of it at the time. I thought everyone was doing this, but sooner or later I was in charge of some of these groups, like the fire dancing group. And I was like, okay, what deities do we want to bring that energy into in our performance tonight? And um, my friends and I would pick one or two or three deities and we'd be like, all right. And it was really empowering when those energies came through. And with writing, it was similar. I had some altars set up and then I didn't realize, but I was working with the creative spirit when I was writing fiction uh, before my Llewellyn run. And I think that started in 2014. So, you know, I didn't think about writing about that because I don't know, it just, the energy was there, but it wasn't, I was still working with it and developing it. You know, it, it was something that I was coming to terms with too, like this interesting looking spirit. And the more that I wrote, the more it was there. So it's, it's something that I have just been growing awareness of in my own practice. And then when 2020 hits, I was like, you know what? I got to put a proposal out for this book. I have to do it because there was nothing on the market about it at that time. And so I had to wait until the Greek gods book was finished and out before this one could uh, be born, so to speak, but it worked out. And uh, I finally um, got to be able to talk about my own process of ritualizing my creativity and working with the creative spirit. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, thank you for that. And for sharing all of that, I can only imagine you uh, calling on the deities for the fire circle without kind of like knowing. And I think that happens a lot in magic. Uh, where a lot of practitioners, whether you call yourself a witch or a pagan or a magician, that uh, we don't know what we're doing until we read about it in a book. And then we're like, oh, it has a name, you mm -hmm. know, because and especially growing up with a hippie family or a family mm -hmm. of, of New Agers, which I grew up also with a, a New Ager, though when I was growing up and my dad was a New Ager, it was new. You know, nice. not yeah. not like now that is like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm obviously older than you are. But anyway, um <clears throat> excuse me. I agree with you and I love that you mentioned it a little bit earlier that a lot of this new thought, new age stays on air. Yeah. And it and does. it never makes the transition, you know. And I was fortunate enough to have uh, my very my very first Wiccan teacher. So I've been pagan since I was 16. My very first weekend teacher, I had him at 35. And he taught us, you know, you go from air to fire to water to earth and spirit and then go back around and around. So I have done a couple of workshops and a couple of talks about moving through all of the elements. Mm -hmm. And then when I grab the book and I see that you have that exact, not exact the same, but, you know, kind of like the same principle, the same concept, because I always tell people, you know, we can manifest by um, doing the mantras or visualizing. But if we don't do, mm -hmm. if we don't put the fire and the spark to get it going, then it's not going to happen. So tell us a little bit about part one of the book. As much as or as little as you want to put out um, 
the creative spirit, you know, kind of like the first part of the book. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, yeah. So the first part of the book, I introduce the creative spirit, the concept, um, how it's looked at historically uh, from Greek times. And this is Western hemisphere perspective, um, because that's the one that I'm familiar with. And it was easier to research all of that for me. Uh, you know, as an English-speaking person uh, with limited access to some of those other tomes. But um, really, I wanted to go into the lore that was there and also what I've experienced. And then I did a deep dive to try to find artists and musicians and writers and people who currently, modernly, work with creative spirits. And I found quite a few. There's Stephen King. Uh, Tori Amos, Ray Bradbury, um, just to name a few. And there were others that hinted at that, you know, kind of stuff, but they didn't come out and say it. So I couldn't use them really, but uh, it's, it's a very modern thing. And, you know, I think Liz Gilbert in her book, Big Magic, she popularized a lot of this idea as well. And I, I absolutely love that book, um, Creative Writing, Creative Living Without Fear, but this is kind of like bigger magic, in my opinion, because we go deep into what's actually happening. How can we actually bring this about? She just kind of says it happens. And I'm like, here's how you turn the lights on. <laughs> so um, the first part of the book also goes into how you can set up your own way to ritualize your creativity. And I say it has a lot to do with um, the creative spirit and like your workplace external and internal because that's where it connects the external workplace is where it shows up and then it connects up you know here or here depending on like what kind of art you do as a dancer sometimes I feel it comes through the feet mm -hmm. so making those areas in our bodies open and accessible also knowing protection when we whenever we work with spirits so there's a little bit about that in there but then what I found was I really needed to use the four elements in my creativity to bring on my ability to really get deep into the matter and get that juicy inspiration and have that communication with the creative spirit. So we start with air. That can be, um, I highly recommend using music, especially earbuds, uh, with a thematic kind of uh, material that's not going to distract you. And using some kind of aroma to get you in there because that bypasses um, the prefrontal cortex, goes straight into our limbic system, and it evokes, it makes us, uh, it recalls memories, and it's a very spiritual thing as well. So that's mm -hmm. air. And then, um, you know, we go into fire. I like to light a candle whenever I'm doing something whenever, you know, I'm finger painting or I'm doing some writing because it's a mirror to my energy. I'm burning the candle in here and that's, that candle is burning out there. It's the right color that inspires me. It feels right for my project. It's the right size, shape, whatever, you know, for the amount of time that I'm working and it shines a light. It lets me like, know, like, okay, you're shining a light on yourself and your creativity. And then of course, it's important to stay hydrated. I wanted to include uh, some kind of a drink and a, a vessel that you put it in for water because, you know, if you're creating for more than half an hour, you're going to need a beverage, you know, and so it should be something that replenishes your creative energy. You know, a lot of us, for a lot of us, that's coffee. For me, it's hibiscus tea. 
especially. I love it in the afternoon. It just stimulates my creativity. And then I say to put it in a vessel that's not distracting. So like you and I have clear water glasses. This is not distracting. If I had like a a very busy, like cartoonish plastic cup, you know, that would, that would, could take me out of my focus. And I don't want that in my arts. <laughs> Plot twist. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> my, my glass for those who cannot see is a Beatles tribute and is the cover of the album Revolver. So this will be not the best <laughs> for that. As long as it doesn't distract you, I mean, that might add to your energy, right? You no, know, I was just thinking about it, to be honest, like, because I'm so inspired. Of course, I have a Beatles glass. Of course, I love the music from the Beatles. I wouldn't have it if I didn't. Yeah. And Revolver is actually one of my favorite albums. So if I were to be writing or maybe um, painting or drawing, probably listening to Revolver and then actually having this glass for Laura Gonzalez, it will work. It's a great way to evoke in that creativity. And I really... We didn't buy a whole lot of CDs when I was in Mexico because they were so expensive 25 yeah, years ago. Yeah. So when I came to the United States, the first thing I bought was a boombox <laughs> and my Beatles um, CDs. So it evokes um, memory of autonomy, independence, and um, the ability to provide and, and you know to feel like you're rich. And I have my CDs into this day, which are obsolete. And my husband's like, when are you going to throw up your CDs? And I'm like, never. Because they're <laughs> symbolic. You know, they have, they have a symbolism attached to them. But I digress. Please continue talking yeah. about water. And really, that shows you that anything really can inspire you. That energy evokes so much within you. Yes. And that's what water is about, especially overcoming those feelings and fears, you know, waters our emotions. And if, if you were to like, feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't put myself out there. Well, the Beatles put themselves out there, right? Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, they made music. Uh, so yeah, we can find inspiration in all kinds of things um, to finish out the elements. I feel like the element of earth is one of my most challenging one because I'm an air sign. I'm a Libra. <laughs> I just, I love like thinking about things, but it's actually about putting your uh, self in the place where you're going to create. And, you know, if you are a makeup artist, getting out your uh, makeup, if you are a writer, getting out your laptop and setting it up and putting your fingers on the keyboards, you know, a lot of times people are like, I want to create something, but they don't put their booty in place is what we say, you know, in the mm -hmm. writing world. <laughs> yeah. So um, putting yourself in the physical place to do it is great. And then uh, keeping that practice showing up again in your body, in your workplace, it's so important. And then we close the circle by finishing up, um, the whole project by making like our first kind of impression, our first draft, our first edition of it, whatever that may be. And I love that in the first part of the book, you talk, yes, you talk about all the, all of the elements and how to kind of like put it together. But I love how you start telling us about your personal experience with your little friend. Um, and I'm going to prompt you to talk about it if you if you wish. But 
I love how you also took us historically through the different spirits and the mention of the muses and the, the um, objectifying of the muses. You know? Oh, yeah. Of course, I'm, I'm a feminist for those who didn't know. Hello, I'm Laura. I'm a feminist witch. Um, and I love how you brought them back to what they are and not just this curvy sexual objectified entities you know uh but also how you talk about all all of the other spirits that come from even all of the other cultures so i really appreciate that um what inspire you to actually be that specific when talking about spirit well um <clears throat> there's a tendency as you mentioned for people to take on the title of muse And um, I think oftentimes these are people who would be artists and I'm including myself in this <laughs> uh, one time, like I was like, I want to inspire people to create. I want more art in the world. Yay. You know, but I was intimidated to create. So I was helping people who are already putting themselves out there, who already had a leg up, who already were doing some things. Um, and you know, I would like make food for them. I would clean for them. I would show up and like, I would give them gifts of like, uh, little things that they can use in their art. I would like talk to them about their dreams and be like, okay, let's hook you up with this person over here. And all the while I wasn't doing anything. And I saw what they created and I was like, I would have done something different there. <laughs> and, um, I'm a feminist too. And But I feel like, uh, you know, we still live in this society where a lot of times uh, people who are uh, women or, you know, uh, they're just like kind of marginalized into a support role. And women can do that to themselves and, you know, others can do that to themselves. Um, society can do that to them as well. But I don't think it's right. And we have a long history of... Um, people saying, oh, the right way to do art is like this. And oh, you're, you would be an artist, but you're just a muse. You just, you know, hang out with these other artists and you just inspire them. And it's a way of belittling or demeaning someone's art or their character or who they believe themselves to be. Mm -hmm. And so we saw this all the way back to like Sappho. People were trying to assassinate her character. She's a great poet. She's amazing. She's her, her words are so evocative. They're beautiful they give me chills when I read them but um yes yeah, so I encourage people to not take on that title simply because it is subservient and there may be something beneath uh their desires for this for their art for there to be art in the world and I, I want to give people the opportunity to take that on and to live that artist life themselves Absolutely. And there is this amazing amount of confidence and ownership when you finally call yourself an artist. Yeah. Because I must confess, Estrella, that for a long time, I've been writing since I was 12. I danced my whole life. I even performed dancing. I've been modeling for 10 years and I've been drawing and or painting since I was like seven or eight years old and yet 
I never mustered the courage to call myself an artist until just recently, like as recent as like two years. Mm -hmm. And um, I know I'm sorry about the all the self reference, but no, I'm so had, curious. Yeah, I had just um, created some flyers for my work, right? And I hesitated so long for so long to put the, the words uh, artist, actor, and model. And I was like, part of my French, fuck it, this is who I am. Yeah. So it is, um, I think like how we see now nowadays so many people so easily and so fast calling themselves witches. Um, and then later they discover, right? What is the importance of, of the title and mm -hmm. um as uh the great Shona Aranite told me many, many years ago, it's a working title. It is a working title. It is you work mm -hmm. for your community. Mm -hmm. Um and I love that. And I love that I have, I never forgot, you know, that she told me that because I do work for the community as a witch. Um yes, we want all young people who are powerful to call themselves witches. I wish I had the courage that they did, you know, but that they do. But now uh, calling myself an artist is such a recognizing myself and my space and my place, even bringing that spirit stronger within me and taking ownership, but also taking responsibility, you know, like as an artist, how are you going to influence others? And another idea that I've been playing with lately is, that word influencer you know because <laughs> yeah we have um in my opinion watered down the word influencer and we've reserved that word just for people who have done nothing other than just be rich and privileged mm -hmm. and then we follow everything or we try to follow what they do where it's impossible because we don't have the millions they call themselves self-made and I'm like, no, honey, you inherit all that. But I digress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the actual word influencer, the actual meaning of it is how we inspire each other and how we touch each other and how incredible it is that when you share your stories, your vulnerability, your inspiration, your art in any way, shape, or form. It inspires others, you know, and yeah. and and that the muses are there, but in a grandiose way, not in a, a bot little bottle way of you are the object, but rather they are the it, they are the spark, you know. So yeah. I really love reading about the muses on this book. Yeah, and you touched upon something really beautiful too. They are goddesses <laughs> there um you, to um you know personify a, a goddess would be just a little bit strange sometimes i think in that role when they have the power to do that i mean they gods work through us i believe and we can embody them sometimes but um it's you know why would they want us to do that for other people when they can do it for us too you know and i think that when you're talking about just being an artist for so many years and not calling yourself that you have to look at the preponderance of evidence you have all this um history and like this resume basically 
of being an artist. And and yet, um, I think a lot of times people think that we need to go to school or have specific training for something, but life schools us, life trains yeah. us. And that's exactly it, because we are so programmed to be academic, which yeah. is great. I mean, academia is fantastic. Um, not for nothing. A lot of us, you know, finished, got a degree, whatever. Academia is great because it gives you the formation, but nothing gives you going back to to what your mama used to tell you mm-hmm. nothing gives you the chops like doing it yourself and mm-hmm. learning on your own and that is also another thing that um i and others i'm sure have to unlearn that yeah as an academic i can learn something from say the history of mexico but i live there yeah you know? so it's like when people tell me like oh read this book about santa Marta," and i'm like i don't need the book I lived it. I know what it is and I know what I like and what I don't like about it. But anyway, uh, speaking of experiences, I don't know how much you want to give away about your little friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us a little bit about as much as you want by the book, folks. Uh, but how much can you tell us about your friend? Okay, well, um, it was really confusing because um, a spirit had gotten into my house and I was like, my house is protected. What's going on here? I don't get it. <laughs> like, um, it's, you know, I have really secure, uh, spirit protection in my house, energy protection. And it got in somehow. And I was like, okay, I get hitchhikers. Who are you? What are you doing? And it just was like vanished. It was when I was in the middle of writing and I was like, okay, I scared it off, whatever. Uh, start writing again and it appears again it's in the corner of my eye it's it's like about this tall like uh, I say as big as my cat and it's just hanging out there it's just watching me and then I realized like I'm writing really well it was when I was writing a fiction book and I was like whoa my characters are coming alive they're leaping off the page they're telling me what they want to do and they're saying things they're reacting And then I was like, oh, the spirit's there again. I turned to look at it again and it's gone again. And so I'm like, what is happening? Something weird is happening. And I noticed, you know, I'm a scientist. I noticed what was happening before. And I was like, this could be a creative spirit. So the next time I had a plan, like the next time it showed up, I wasn't going to look at it directly. And so I observed it as like this inspiration was coming into my mind. It felt like a trickling waterfall. It was beautiful and it didn't feel like a bad spirit any single time that I felt it. So I knew it was okay. It wasn't like a bad spirit necessarily. So, or, you know, malevolent. So, um, I observed it and I was like, it looks, it looks like a crow. And then, you know, over the years I observed it more and more and more. And it started looking like this, like gentleman kind of crow, Like at times it had a vest, at times it had like a little monocle, at times it had like a little top hat and a little watch. And I was like, I don't know, you're expressing yourself really interestingly, you know, and I just called it Crow. Uh, And years later, I had a dream where it told me its actual name. So I feel safe using that name, you know, of my spirit, uh, just because it's a friend and, you know, but we had to build those years of trust. And then sometimes he would change shape, like when when I was like nearing completion of a book, he would be huge. He would be like six or seven feet tall, just standing over me, like guiding the work. And it was amazing. It was so beautiful. Um, and what I found interesting is 
uh, yes, it looked like a crow, a gentleman crow. Um, when I read Stephen King's account of what he believes his muse to look like or show up as is a little scruffy dog. And it's, oh. it's a, it's a, a, a female dog for lack of a better term, I guess, but it's, he, um, you know, we know these spirits, we know their um, genders, we know what they like to be called, we know what they can do, we know when they show up. Mm-hmm. As artists, that's really powerful. And I realized that nobody was talking about this kind of stuff um, in the magical world, really. So that's why I decided to write about him and, you know, got his permission, of course. And he was like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> so, and I find that that's so inspiring and wonderful because I can think and I can imagine um, within our pagan slash witchcraft community, you have all kinds of practitioners that see things on all kinds of different ways. As the joke goes, you ask one pagan, uh, you ask five pagans one thing and you get 10 different answers. Um, I love to think about the more skeptic, the less woo-woo, as they will put it, the more um, factual or or close to reality uh, practitioners. Um, as you explain in the book, it could feel like a water dripping. It could feel you could actually see the spirit and have communications with them. Mm-hmm. Or it could feel just like an urge and like a heat or like a, you know, it doesn't have to look the exact same way. Right. And I remember, and this, it was such a, a fresh of breath air when I read it, because you talk also about kind of like automatic writing or uh, waking up in the morning. And a lot of my writing that I used to do poems, there's a tragedy attached to my poems, by the way. Uh, but I had a collection of about 60 and then I stopped writing like suddenly because my sister thought they were garbage and she threw them in the garbage. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And that I, I stopped writing then, but I'm back writing now. Uh, but I they look like garbage, Estrella, because they were loose pieces of paper that I will write in the dark at the wee hours of the night or early, early in the morning. Yeah. And they will just flow these poems in Spanish, obviously. And um, it looks different from, from different people because back then I was 12, 13 years old. I didn't know nothing about no muses and no magic and nothing. And I was just writing because mm-hmm. it felt right. It was, it's almost like, as you say in the book, it's almost like a compulsion. It's almost like, yeah, you cannot be without doing the thing. Uh, but before we continue, because I don't want to get stuck in spirits because we know it's not ideal. There is an actual second part of the book uh refine and releasing your art into the world i think the hardest part for every creative that ever existed is feeling confident enough to say this is a finished work let's put it out in the world and you take us by the hand through this process so exquisitely (laughs) tell us a little bit about the book well um i think a lot of people are perfectionists And, um, yeah, I can identify with that as well, but, um, you know, just from experience, I know that I can edit something 24 times, maybe the average, maybe more plus or minus, uh, 24 (laughs) and, um, 
after a while, I'm only changing a little thing here, a word there, moving a sentence, you know, and I realized, you know, uh, if I were to look at this as a graph, like my early changes would be like very, very big changes. And then there's like an asymptote where like what I changed hardly even matters. And would anyone really notice? Is it that much better? Did I make it better? Did I make it worse? Who knows with my editing, you know? So, um, I think it's good to, you know, have that kind of like a, a course kind of a view of things at first and then refine as opposed to some people just want to like refine, refine, make their first chapter perfect, make their first song perfect. Um, and really, uh, I encourage people to go beyond that, to kind of like work with the whole idea of the album or the book or the dance performance show or whatever it is. Uh, you know, your makeup look, you know, don't just do the clothes. You got to think about everything else and the hair and the, and the face uh, and the pose and everything, you know, there's, there's a whole energy to your art, a whole energy. And when we look at it that way, we kind of can see the spirit of our arts, which, you know, I'm using the term egregore in this book because it's fairly commonly known. And the egregore of our arts can also tell us how it wants to be shaped, how it feels about that. Um, and uh, so I think paying attention to that can give us a lot of input into our outputs. And, you know, it's it's pretty phenomenal to actually hear the, the egregore of your art saying like, oh, I, I think we need more pink in this, you know, something like that. And I think, uh, by the way, folks, you want to listen to your art spirit do watercolor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of, I thought it was like the easiest way of, of drawing and then turns out is one of like the hardest for some people uh, because it's all about letting go, right? It's all about letting the water and the color do whatever it's going to do. Hmm. But I love this um, camaraderie this relationship that happens with your creative spirit and how you learn to listen to it. And for those who don't believe that this is an actual symbiotic relationship, um, think about the goddess, think about God, think about how you relate with the spirits of the land for those uh, pagans who are atheists, right? And they just practice in relationship with nature and there is something, there is a voice that tells you when to cut this plant or when to harvest or whatnot. And it's, it's not too far from that. You know, you're just utilizing a language that perhaps could be foreign for certain people, but it, but the essence is there, the feeling mm -hmm. is there. So, you know, I think sometimes we shy away from certain things because we're not either too familiar or too moved by the language you know because a lot of people will hear spirit your creative spirit and they'll be like what do you mean there's a spirit you know like okay then think about it in a different way use a different word but yeah. it is there nonetheless and the more you listen mm -hmm. like with intuitive um work like with divination work like with intuitive healing uh, precognition or whichever psychic ability one might possess uh the more you listen the more you foster this relationship and the easier that it becomes, you know, I used to not believe a lot of my psychic ability messages, especially when doing the tarot or I will 
on it and say that has nothing to do with the card and when I started just speaking what came through now it's like oh okay this wants to come out and I just say it you know so mm. learning to recognize how spirit moves through you I can't believe I just say that uh <laughs> that makes sense no yeah you know le learning to recognize how the spirit moves through you and how it helps you create and also knowing that it's you it's yeah. still you. It's, uh -huh. it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. It's not a relationship where you get kidnapped and, and all, right? No. I think the, you know, the term possession is thrown around uh, to scare people a lot. Um, but, you know, like Wiccan high priestesses do that all the time. They, they invite the goddess in. Um, they're not losing their minds with that. Like there's been no re record of that that I'm aware of. And um, yeah, it's, it, you have a, a control over how much you want to bring them in, how much you want assistance with. And for anyone who's afraid of the term spirit or the concept of spirit, you know, there are deities of inspiration and creativity as well. There's an appendix, I believe, um, with a list of them in the Western hemisphere. And those can help as well. And then, you know, I think other people like I, I believe I read Laura Tempest Sakharov say once that um, their higher self was the one that was the one um, contributing, uh, but it's always uh, from the artist, you know? So I think that, you know, thinking about things like that, like artists that are out there, that are magical, who know about these kind of things, who are, you know, quite sane people, <laughs> like here I am, uh, spirit has moved through me, like you say, and I've written several books and, um, you know, they're, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, <laughs> it's not going to be an irreparable harm necessarily. I do believe in protection, but you know, like I said, uh, that parts in the book, banishing bad spirits, being aware of that. And you can always cut it off if you don't want to have that anymore. It's not like a, once you've done it one time, you're forever in that vein of doing it like that forever. So. Or bound to the spirit or anything like that. Those yeah. are, um, ideas that are there from um i will dare say you know establish religions to scare you off oh yeah scare you off to find your own power of creativity yeah. it's and, very abrahamic <laughs> yeah, yeah and um the fact of not believing that it's not you i you just like unlock a memory because when I was 14 years old and I was guessing things left and right, and I was still calling myself a Catholic, and I have said this story so many times, somebody might be like Laura again. Um, I was having very heightened um, psychic episodes, right? So, of course, I went to church because I wanted to know why. Why am I seeing things? Like, you explain to me because... I know God, capital G, you know, Jesus. Um, I know God had prophets and I was not calling myself a prophet, but why am I seeing things? And mm -hmm. of course the answer I got was because you're the devil, because you're a woman, you know? So of course I, that's when I started calling myself a witch and a pagan a couple of years later, but it is this belief that having a relationship with any kind of spirit is bad. And a lot of us cannot help ourselves because we live in a society that is mostly influenced 
by Christianity and Catholicism, you know, mm -hmm. and there are other religions, of course, but anyway, let's, the world needs creativity and the world needs color and let's have yes. those. And I think that a lot of us internalize the church's message too. And, um, you know, so I think we need to break away from that. I'm lucky that I had a very small time in a church, you know, but it wasn't oppressive to me in that way. So, um, you know, acknowledging and realizing when something actually feels okay for you, it doesn't feel like a bad thing, even though it, you may have been told that it's a bad thing or that something bad is going to happen. Uh, not necessarily the case. Look at other people and uh, their lives. And, uh, you know, I think it, you can see that um, it's okay to, you know, have a different experience than what the church believes and you don't have to believe what they believe about you. Exactly. And we don't question figures like Stephen King for speaking about the spirit. We don't question David Lynch for meditating. Like, why are we judging ourselves so harshly? You know? And yeah. yeah. So no, let's let's create art and find our creative spirit on every magical art. The book is called Inspiring Creativity Through Magic, How to Ritualize Your Art and Attract the Creative, creative Spirit by Astrea Taylor. I have to ask you, where can people find your book? Well, you can find it in most bookstores or they can order it for you. I recommend that you go to an indie bookstore though, if possible, get it from... Uh, a witch bookshop. Um, I also have signed copies online, uh, so I could mail one to you. And uh, you could also order it through Llewellyn. Of course. And if your local bookstore don't have it, tell them to tell Llewellyn to bring it around. So, Estrella, I have to invite you, by the way, honey. Um, we have over 950 hours of podcasts on CSMP. The Circle Century Network podcast is the Circle Century, obviously, podcast station. And we have shows every, um, the second and fourth, or is it the first and the third? I forget. Two Tuesdays a month, we have Circle Talk with Deborah Rose. One Wednesday a month, we have Circle of Nature with Selena Fox. Uh, two Fridays a month, we have Songs of the Pagan Tribe with Karen Greenman. One Friday a month, we have Blue Marble with Charlotte Bear. Uh, every Saturday, we have Paganos del Mundo or Pagaos del Mundo in Spanish and Portuguese with Christian Ortiz, uh, Harwood Tuileva, Carolina Moore, Monica Govin, Patricia Finkler, and yours truly, Laura Gonzalez. And then every second and fourth Monday of the month, we have Lunatic Mondays with yours truly, Laura Gonzalez. We do this podcast, it's volunteer work, nobody gets paid, and you can listen, you can download, you can share, you can keep for your personal archives. We are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify, we're obviously on Block Talk Radio, which is our base home, and we are wherever you get your podcasts, and believe me, we are, because we've been picked up left and right I'm very uh, honored to be part of this network. So I invite you all to listen to us. There's, uh, like I said, over 950 hours. We've been at it for three years. No, five years. Four. <laughs> <laughs> no, four years, obviously. 
Um, so I invite you all to come and check us out. And Estrella, why, what are you doing the rest of the summer? What are you doing towards the end of the, of the summer this year? Huh? Well, I have a few wonderful events coming up. I have the Columbus, Ohio Witches Ball, which is going to be fabulous. Um, and I'm, I'm leading a workshop there, and then I'll be dancing later on that day. It's a beautiful setting. Definitely check it out. Um, I'm doing the Gathering of the Witches. I'm doing like a two-hour intensive art magic kind of workshop where uh, I lead a meditation so you can meet your creative spirit and encounter them, kind of get to know them and their energy a little bit more. And yeah, I have events on my webpage with everything else. So I uh, want to thank you for having me on your show, Laura. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And I have a question. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that we need to know before we buy this book? Um, I just want to encourage everyone to make the art they've been dreaming about because if you have a passion for something, if you, like I said, if you're like, I would do it a different way, then you have the inspiration. You have the connection to making your art. And even if you've never made art before, you never went to school for it, never been trained by a professional, quote unquote, you can still do the art that your heart desires. You can still put some part of that out into the world. And yes, it is a work of passion, but um, you can change lives. Yes. So just do it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's always a pleasure to be in connection with you and to have these conversations. And I leave you the microphone so you can say good night to your audience. Thank you, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And don't forget to come back and listen to Lunatic Mondays. Like I said, second and fourth Monday of the month. My name is Laura Gonzalez. And until we meet again, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye. Lunatic Mondays is a production of Laura Gonzalez for CSN Podcasts, building bridges of community around the world. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.